This podcast is part of the National Archives Voices of the Armistice campaign, commemorating 90 years since the end of the First World War. Hear more voices at nationalarchives.gov.uk forward slash armistice. Part two of five. My name is William Spencer. I'm the Principal Military Specialist at the National Archives at Kew. WO 95-1495. In accordance with Field Service Regulations of 1909, Part 2, it was the responsibility of all units in the field to keep a day-to-day account of their activities. These records are known as unit war diaries. In accordance with King's Regulations, it was not allowed for individuals to keep their own personal diaries whilst in the front line. What follows are extracts from such diaries, which are, in many cases, very unusual. August 27th, 1914. Thursday. Slept in the Cures house, and at 1.30 began to retire towards Longwy, across the country. At 8.30 we were in a small village named Bulcor, and are having three hours rest and we've earned it. War is a thing one can't picture until you're in it. We stayed in Bulcor and had to flee from there, being shelled out by the Germans. More nerve testers. I got lost and we walked miles from our division through Verman, and are now in Kolinkor resting for a while. My boots are beginning to pinch me. We had a rest for tea and rum from 8 to 10.30. I had charge of four French soldiers, two of whom were wounded. Name of village unknown. Troops taken on wagons. 27th of August. Marched again at 2am, mostly across country, and halted about 6 at Follenpies. So far we had heard no guns. Two miles further, at Nori, we had to halt to let the 3rd Division pass, and were told to rest for three hours, wash and breakfast. Hardly one and a half hours had elapsed, when an officer of the North Irish Horse reported that his squadron, covering the 3rd Division, was passing us, closely followed by German cavalry. It was some time before the Brigadier General could be found and any orders issued. Meanwhile, the Hampshires stood to arms. Without any further warning, the shells began to burst in the village and the streets were full of screaming inhabitants, trying to escape with their livestock. Each regiment made its own way out of the village, moving westwards. Even regiments were compelled to break into small groups. Soon, heavy rifle fire broke out from the southeast of the village and the enemy's guns took up a new position there, shelling our men as they retired. The retreat was quite orderly, but very scattered. In this movement, Colonel Jackson was shot in the left leg and ankle and carried by Lieutenant Corporal Jones into the village of Bellingcourt, where he was left in the Curie's house. Major Barlow, with the greater part of the regiment, struck across country southwest to Le Verquier and eventually joined the rest of the 4th Division. Major Hicks, with the rearguard and other small detachments, picked up en route, joined the 3rd Division. This was the end of the time of the fighting but it was four days before the various detachments of the 11th Infantry Brigade were reunited, some having fallen in with the 5th Division. Major Hicks, with Lieutenants Nicholson and Knocker, and about 120 men of the regiment, and a few others of the 11th Infantry Brigade, followed the 3rd Division to Behrman, having covered 25 miles from Seren. There we halted from 7 to 10pm, when we resumed the march with the 7th Infantry Brigade. There had been very heavy rain during the day, and we were all drenched through. August 28th, 1914, Friday, 6.30am. After marching all night again, I find myself lying in Bouvie, which is our base. This is a rest camp, perhaps. We pass through Batini at 5.30am. My God, the battle is raging again here now. When will it end? 
I am too full for words or speech and feel paralysed as this affair is now turning into a horrible slaughter. We're in a small village, name unknown, and have just made some soup. We have another long march before us, all night again. We go towards Paris, reasons unknown. Very tired. Hot weather again. We marched away at 5am after laying in a ditch all night and expecting to be attacked at any moment and marched 12 miles and have just now had breakfast and beer. We thank God again for plenty of food and a friendly nation. We had a clear day from firing yesterday. Written 10am. 28th of August. We marched all night with frequent checks in fairly steady rain and reached Ham at 7am having only covered 10 miles in 9 hours. There we met Brigadier General Hunter Weston and another detachment of the 11th Infantry Brigade, including Captains Moore and Richards and over 100 men of the regiment, with 150 of the Rifle Brigade and East Lanks. As far as we knew, these were the sole survivors of the 11th Infantry Brigade. After an hour's halt at Ham, we pushed on steadily all day. 15 miles of hilly road through Hoyen to Seminary. It was intensely hot and we were pursued all day by the sound of guns behind us. At 5.30pm we halted, absolutely deadbeat, but were assisted by Royal Army Medical Corps and Royal Engineer Units, who had arrived there previously, and cooked stews for the troops as they arrived. Our first and second line transport also met us at this bivouac, where we stayed nearly 24 hours and got the first rest and hot meal we had had since we left the train. August 29th, 1914. Saturday. In the village of Semaise, there has been a heavy duel with the artillery of the Allies, and news has come in that thousands of the Germans are dead. We have caught them in a trap, and fearful execution has been made. We're getting a few hours' good rest. Written at 2.40pm, 29th. We saw an aeroplane in mid-air. It was a thrilling sight, one many people have never seen, or may do again. At 7.30 we left to go to a village, fortified, at five miles distance. We had to march 14 miles, and it was awful. We were fearfully tired. 29th of August. The noise of guns continued all day to the northeast. We understand that this was a French counter-attack. At any rate, we were left in peace, but at 4pm we received sudden orders to continue the retirement. A bridge broke down and the road was completely blocked by a mass of transport. Pushing through the woods, we reached the village of Les Cloyes after dark. There, the whole 4th Division concentrated during the night, Major Barlow and nearly 500 of the battalion arriving about 1am. August 30th, 1914. Sunday. Written in the neighbourhood of Mont de Tracy. This is supposed to be God's day of rest, and we've been marching since 5am. We had three hours sleep and are now just going to have breakfast. We're still retiring. My God, it is heartbreaking, this weary slog. Slog on the roads. Peace, or even a wound would be better. We're all done up, heartsick and weary. We had a long halt in Mont de Tracy and cooked our breakfast. It came out very hot. Made things much harder for us. We left at 3 o'clock for our billets and are bivouacking in a small field. 6.20pm. We have had a day free from attack and are now in Broil, 50 miles from Paris. We hope to advance tomorrow, for retiring is sickening for all. My feet are jolly bad and I can hardly walk. We had nearly settled ourselves when we had orders to shift again. This was the last straw, and we had done seven more miles uphill and reached our new billets at 12pm. Entered at 5am the 31st, village Pierford. 30th of August. At 2am our transport was ordered away and at 4am we received orders to march at once, but it was after 6am before we moved. At Carlepont, the division took the wrong road into the forest and there was some panic. 
but the right road was regained and we kept on till 8.30am. Then we were halted and staff officers kept rushing about saying there was great news. The retirement would cease and the men were to rest. It was intensely hot. We sat by the roadside for six hours waiting for orders. When they came, they were to continue the retirement. The dismal march continued until long after dark. By now we had marched right off our maps and we had the vaguest idea of where we were. Again, we slept for a few hours in the streets. August 31st, 1914. Monday. I've just awoke and got out from my bed. One waterproof cape, one sheet ditto, and for a mattress, a lump of breeze or dirt. It's very cold and foggy again. We have had five hours sleep, but this can never last. This is over a week of this. We are in the village of Pierford and are now waiting to be given our daily march. We left Pierford at 9am to march to St. Savour, which we have now reached. All billets have been arranged for, and we were hoping for a sleep, and now news has come in of a force of Ulans coming towards us. 5pm the 31st. We, in consequence, are watching all the roads, and shall do so all night now. There is no rest for us at all. Will God in his goodness soon give us peace? We all were feeling so safe, and were quite our old selves after Monday's battle, and now have been retiring for a whole week, day and night, snatching sleep whenever possible. Thank God again we have plenty of food. The populace are splendid to us, but the poor creatures go in fear of their safety day by day. Many a family has followed us, eaten and slept in safety, and glad of the protection that is given them. And we cheer them up to our best, but their hearts are full of fear. I could write a book of all these scenes that war means, but I cannot spare the thoughts. 31st of August. The march was resumed at daybreak through the forest of Compiègne. All night we had heard distant explosions of the bridges over the river Oise being blown up by our royal engineers. The retirement continued with frequent checks throughout the day. The regiment was employed on picketing the various roads through the forest leading northwest, cutting down trees and building barricades. After dark there was the usual scene of confusion. The roads jammed up with transport and all sorts of absurd stories running up and down the column. This podcast is a recording of extracts taken from records at the National Archives and is a copyright of the Crown.